Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, some of the biggest ideas often start with the smallest executions. And and that's a good philosophy and an attitude, in my opinion. And it's more economical, too. We've talked many times about the idea of using so-called nano-aquariums as a sort of testbed for ideas and concept. The idea that it's easier to try some of these exotic experiments that are in our head on a small scale than it is to go right to the big time. It's top of mind. Not long ago, you followed us on on, on just such a journey with a simple but well-thought-out Ultimate Nature Systems 45 a all-in-one aquarium that was set up for a very specific little fish. It was a great example of this big idea, small execution philosophy. I had been mentally testing my concept of what I you know, eventually called the Tucano Tangle, a botanical aquarium uh, to replicate aspects of the habitat of Tucano Ichthys Tucano, a small kerosene found in one area, the Rio Uyapes, specifically a, quote, brook emptying into the Igarape Uyari. I am not pronouncing that right, I'm sure. But it's really damn specific, right? Those little bodies of water found in the jungle again. And it was time to really just get past the hobby literature for this one. I was intrigued. So that meant a voyage into the more scholarly writings and a deep dive into the internet. And I, I found a, uh, a real gem in a scientific paper by Jacques Guerry and Uwe Romer in 1997. And it had this amazing little passage in it that I'm going to read to you. The brook, 80 to 200 centimeters wide, 50 to 100 centimeters deep near the end of the dry season runs rather swiftly in a dense forest with ficus trees and Leopoldina palms in the water as dominant plants. Dead wood, mostly prickly trunks of palms, are lying in the water, usually covered with ficus leaves, which also cover the bottom with a layer 50 to 100 centimeters thick. No submersed plants. Only the branches and roots of emerged plants uh, provide shelter for aquatic organisms. The following data were cultivated, uh, excuse me, were gathered by the junior author February 21st, 1994 at 11 a.m., Clear with black water influence, extremely acid, current uh, 0.5 to 1 uh, millivolts per second. Temperature, air uh, air was 29 degrees centigrade, water was 24 degrees centigrade at more than 50 centimeters depth. The fish fauna seems quite poor in species. Only six species were collected in the brook, including Tucano ichthys tucano and two cichlids, Nanocara adoketa and Crincicla species, one catfish, Adoradid Ambliodorus species, and as yet unidentified Rivulus, uh, quite abundant. The only other carasoid, probably syncopic, was the Posilla carex weitzmanii. Yeah, it turned out to be the ichthyological description for the little Tucano tetra, and it was a literal treasure trove of data on both the fish and its habitat. And I was taken by the decidedly aquarium-reproducible characteristics of that habitat, both in terms of the physical size and its structure. Boom! I was hooked. I mean, it was really cool. Now, I admit I wasn't interested in or able to satisfy the, uh, you know, or safely lower the pH down to like 4.3, which was one of the readings taken at the locale, and to even hold it there. But I could get the low sixes nailed pretty easily. So sure, one could logically call me a sort of hypocrite because I'm immediately conceding that I won't do 4.3, and I suppose that could be warranted. However, there's a far cry between creating 6.2 
for my aquarium, which is relatively easy to uh, obtain and maintain for me, and then force-fitting fishes to adapt to our 8.4 pH Los Angeles tap water. So I think I'm, I think I'm good. And of course, with me essentially trashing that idea of an execution of a hardcore 100% replication of such a specific locale, the idea was to essentially mimic the appearance and function of such an igarape-type habitat replete with lots of roots and leaf litter. And the idea of executing it in a nano-sized aquarium made the entire project immediately more attainable and a little bit less daunting. I wanted to see if I could pull off a compelling biotope-inspired setup on a small scale. That's where my real interest was. So even the create the proper conditions for the fish instead of forcing them to adapt to what's easiest for us philosophy can be nuanced, and it should. I don't want to mess with strong acids at this time. It's doable. A number of hobbyists have done it successfully. However, for the purposes of my experiment, I decided to happily abstain for now. And without flogging a dead horse, as the expression goes, I think I nailed many of the attributes of the habitat of this fish. By utilizing natural materials such as roots, which are representative of those found in the fish's habitat, as well as the use of ficus and other small leaves in the litter in the tank, I think we created a cool biotope-inspired display for these little guys. And man, I love this tank. Being able to pull off many aspects of the look, feel, and function of the natural habitats of the fish was a really rewarding experience. That's one example of this philosophy again. And it's not perfect. It's certainly something that can and should be improved upon, the pH thing, for example. But the physical environment, the biological nuances, the long-term function of this type of aquarium you know, microcosm, I think we're well on our way to building a lot of best practice kind of stuff here. And of course, I'm not, you know, still not satisfied yet, but I think it's a good start. I think it requires the usual caveats, a mindset shift that embraces the fact that the natural habitats we love don't always meet our acculturated aesthetic expectations. We need to understand that nature does her own thing regardless of whether we approve of it or not. Like, I love this tank more than any other biotope-inspired tank I've ever set up. And people ask me why I didn't do it in a larger tank. Well, it's pretty simple. I tried it on a small scale because of, number one, the tiny size, and number two, the breathtaking price of the Tucanos. I figured they'd be utterly lost in a larger aquarium, like a 50-gallon tank or more. Not to mention that I'd have to take out a second mortgage on my home to acquire a population significant enough to make it look like there were any fish in the damn tank. So here I am. Of course, I love the physical appearance of the aquarium so much that I totally want to scale this baby up. That's a total fish geek mindset for sure. Now, the idea of populating a significantly larger tank entirely with little Tucanos, although tempting from a conceptual standpoint, is really an economically impractical approach. I suppose I could do that, but at 12 US dollars each to get a school or justifiably large enough to place in a 50 gallon tank that you could actually see would be pretty freaking pricey. <laughs> would I add some other fishes to the tank? Well, my original plan was to sort of stay reasonably monospecific with just the Tucanos. However, research showed, again, that some other fishes were found sympatrically with the Tucanos, and uh, specifically the Ivanacara Araqueta and some of those Amelioreus and Rivulus, which are cool, but the damn things jump out of an open-top tank like mad, so that's not a good idea. And the coolest of all was the equally tiny and somewhat pricey Poselia Carax Weitzmanai, which a fish is that, that looks just like the Tucano but dwells in leaf litter. I mean... How could I resist doing that? Why wouldn't I want to go bigger? And, you know, I don't know how much longer I can hold out without doing it. So picture a scaled up version of this tank. The main thing I'd do differently would be just slope up and maybe the substrate towards the rear of the tank and really make sure that the melastoma root that I used are placed towards the rear, giving the impression of a bunch of roots from marginal vegetation, you know, like the ficus and leopoldina species that are dominant in that part of the jungle. 
perhaps in a bit of an arc, which will provide more of a front and center swimming area, a basin of sorts for the leaf litter to accumulate. I'm just scheming here. Now, I did add some Corydoras pygmaeus to the mix to create a little interest in some action. Yeah, the Tucanos are not the most active swimmers. The scale of a larger tank would allow me to create a more open yet still complex scape that I'm envisioning here. It's about the materials and the execution. Ooh, I'm liking this idea more even, even now. I can sort of visualize it. However, can I afford it? Hmm. So my little exercise in scaling up will probably cost me a lot of money, a little bit of enjoyable time, and perhaps provide some unlimited awesomeness. I think. Yeah, it will. Right? Maybe? Yeah. Damn, stop me. Or maybe not. Enable me. <laughs> yeah, never forget that you can pull off a big idea on a small scale and fall in love with it just the same. That's the biggest takeaway from the tale of the Tucanos, as I call it. Stay innovative. Stay creative. Stay restless. Stay bold. Stay motivated. Stay studious. Stay just a little weird. And of course, always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman. Thanks very much for spending part of your morning with me or afternoon or evening, I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.